Cochran, FD, thank you so much for being here today, sir. Thank you, Dakota. I really appreciate it. No, man, I appreciate you. And I don't, I don't know how much, you know, my audience has seen of you or how much crossover we have, but I was just telling you before we went live, man, I, I found your channel a few months ago. I don't know, man, you were maybe at 500 subscribers. And let me tell you, by the way, I had no idea how much your channel had blown up. You're almost over two grand now. I mean, well, we're almost there. We're almost at 2,000. Almost, yeah, almost. And yep. uh, I just, from day one, man, I saw you and I loved your vibe. I was like, it's just so chill. You know, so many people in this hobby, man, they got high frequency, but you were on low frequency, just vibing, just enjoying yep. your time. And I really yep. enjoy that, man. Well, you know, the goal of the channel, I, I really, when I go out, I'm the same way I was before we started recording. Mm -hmm. uh, I love talking to people. I love having conversations. I love hearing individuals' stories or how they got to collecting or what a certain card means to them. And um, I remember a lot of that stuff. I, I got blessed with a, a good memory. And then mm -hmm. when I see that person again, we just started talking about this, you know, the evolution of the conversation. And that's what I really get into. Yeah, I mean, that's what you talk about in your channel. You know, you do so many, like, live shows. I guess you're in California or something. I mean, you, yeah, seem, to have a, yeah, you seem to have a ton of live shows, you know, or, you know, you know, person, you know, in-person shows, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you have that you know you do have a gift for that because that's what you talk about the whole time is like you know uh, meeting people and making connections and you see it because you can watch one of your videos the way you're live at a show and then a month later you watch it and you like run into three people you just met at the last show and yeah. they just talking to you casually yeah, that's, right? what it's all about. that's really what it's all about it's about the community and i i like to stress that as much as possible it's about meeting and greeting people the community and the evolution of car collecting now there are times that i get um into the numbers and data and the analytics of things and what's going on with cars and the mm -hmm. maturation of a car over time. And I have some philosophies that I've shared with some people in person about uh, what I collect and why I collect it. And uh, I collect, so everybody out there knows, if you see my channel, I collect for the PC mainly. I'm not a uh, flip of cars. I, I don't have any problems with anyone that does flip cars, but I'm primarily collecting for the long term. And so that helps me develop a strategy of why I'm looking at a particular card at a particular mm -hmm. time and uh, why I want to invest in it. And in the shows, we go through uh, my methodology of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and one of your pickups that stuck out to me, like I really enjoyed it. It was a, a Kobe's 96 tops, but it's the earthquake insert, I guess. Yeah. yeah. That is a beautiful. I never seen that card. card. So you pick it up. I was like, oh, man, that's a yeah. nice card. The thing with Kobe is that I, I stopped and I looked at, there are certain cars that everyone is chasing of Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. There are certain cars that have a low population that a lot of people don't pay attention to and they don't talk about that I just started paying attention to. And I said, uh, this is the time to me to start picking some of this stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, his stuff's been on the decline for a little bit now. I think it's a good time to be looking at it now. You know, I mean, his... Yeah. His stuff's down quite a bit, uh, certainly quite a bit from its peaks, but even down below where the original spike was, it's already below that. So it might be a good time to be picking some of that stuff up. And we all know that a documentary on Kobe is coming soon mm -hmm. in 2022, in August of 2022. What are the effects of that on the hobby, his, his cars in the market? I do not know. But I have a philosophy, and I don't know what other people think about this, but a part of collecting a card is the likability of the athlete. Is how people feel about the athlete when you mention the athlete's name or a game that they played in how it resonates with them I, I ask a lot of people in shows when i'm out and about especially here in la because it's the market that he played in what and how do people think of kobe bryant and i think a lot of people can't really relate to kobe bryant 
because he was so dedicated to his craft. Mm. One could almost say he was so tunnel vision on what he wanted to do that his personality didn't get a chance to resonate with people until he retired and was doing things after basketball. And then that was cut short. Yeah. And well, <laughs> I think that when we talk about the hobby and his card value, you know, I think if we looked at basketball over the long run, you know, MJ's probably going to stay one, but I think Kobe's going to be more collected than LeBron, you know, 15 years from now. I just, oh, I, oh, I agree with you, sir. Oh yeah. yeah. I agree. You know, a lot of people have issues with some things that LeBron says, and that's not something we're going to, you know, discuss, but I'm just saying like that cuts out some of the segment. And then when you look at Kobe, the, you know, the tragic death and then the, mm -hmm. the success he had after the court, you know, it's amazing. And it was so right. clear he was going to be such First an ambassador. Be into his relationship with his daughter and him, and him coaching the, the, uh, the players and all of that. We were mm -hmm. beginning to learn more about him. He was starting to do more interviews and talking about his philosophy on basketball his philosophy on coaching. His daughter most likely was being recruited by Duke to go there. So there was a lot, and North Carolina was involved. There was a lot of stuff that was about to probably go down. But I agree with you. I believe long-term, the collectability of Kobe Bryant cards may be more than LeBron James cards. Yeah. I agree with that totally. Yeah. It's so sad, I, man. Oh, my thought right there, but that, that's exactly yeah. what I mean. <laughs> It's so sad we're not going to be able to see what Kobe's – post NBA career was going to be. I mean, it just, I mean, he was, he was barely out of the league. He right. won. What was it? Uh, it wasn't an Oscar. Was it an Oscar? He won an Oscar. Yeah. Sure. I mean, and it's a great short. If anybody out there has not seen that, it's a beautiful short about the inspiration of a kid growing into being an athlete. Everybody can relate to that. I don't care if you've never played a sport. If you had a dream to do something, you can relate to that. I, I agree a hundred percent. This wasn't some like hand me out Oscar. Like a, a lifetime achievement award. No, no, no. He earned that Oscar, man. That thing right. was good. That's right. Yeah, man. Uh, he was part of the uh, the creation of it, the writing of it. Uh, I read that he had a, a hand in how it was animated. Kobe was all over that. I don't know if you've seen his interview with, um, oh, man, I can never get this guy's name right. David Pat Pete or something like that. It's Kobe's yeah, last interview. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that's I've a phenomenal interview. Yes. Yeah. Man. He All talks right. about MJ in there. He talks about Shaq in there. Oh, yeah. He really gives us philosophy on some things. Yep. Yeah, him and Shaq, man. I know Shaq still feels bad about all that, but it is what it is. You know? But anyway, let's talk about, you know, you, you said you don't tell too much. I mean, what do you what, what's in your collection? What do you have that you've enjoyed collecting? You know, what is it that sparks you? Well, I look at my philosophy on cars is kind of I look at GOAT players. Uh, where they're at in their, in their careers or where have they been at in their post-careers. What's going on with their cards? Uh, I track prices on a consistent basis, even mm -hmm. if I'm not making a buying effort at that point. I just want to know where the market is. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to talk about some stuff a little bit later on, on card ladder and all that. We'll get into that. All but right. uh, I'm thinking about where's the card at? And it's, I believe each car has like a little bit of a maturation cycle. We just got to talking about LeBron and his collectability and where his cars are. And we talked about the kind of the emphasis of some of Kobe's cars. There's more of that from player to player and from sport to, uh, to sport. So I, I'm looking at the GOATs, but I'm also looking at some of the young players that are coming through. And do they have GOAT-like tendencies? Are they in all-star games? Uh, are, they, are they progressing in their career from a scoring standard 
an assist, a rebound center if, if it's basketball and football, uh, all their stats are, again, stabilizing themselves or getting better. Um, and then where do they play? What role are they playing on their team? Do they make the teammates better? Those are kind of the characteristics. When we think about the Magic, uh, Bird, uh, Emmitt Smith, Walter Payton, Jim Brown, there are players that you think about. And as soon as you think about them, you think about the, the success of their team yeah, or how they made their team better or how they performed on an individual effort. Now, side note, you have players with great stats. One person that comes to mind automatically with me is a Carmelo Anthony. Mm. Carmelo Anthony has great stats. You look at him on paper, you're like, man, this guy's phenomenal. But uh, a lot of my friends and I, we kind of joke, right? I've never seen a highlight, really, of Carmelo Anthony playing defense. Right? No. Nah. That's on the that's that's on the not top ten if it's a that's highlight right. of him playing defense. Yeah. Not top. So when it comes to collecting someone and how they transcended the sport, I would look at a Steph Curry before I would look at a Carmelo Anthony when it comes to investing. So those are kind of some of the the overarching decisions that I make. And when you see me in the in the uh, in the vlogs on the channel rolling with FD, you'll see me go through and ask a lot of questions to a vendor. Hey, what's the price of this card? What's the price mm -hmm. of that card? Some of the prices I already know. I just want everybody out there to know that. I already have that price in my head. I kind of want to see what the vendor is going to say. And then I want to get into a dialogue about the car if it's something that I'm really interested in. So those are kind of the things that I think about when I'm out and about. It could be the national. It could be a local show. Uh, it could just be someone that I'm conversating with on uh, eBay or uh, a social media platform like Instagram about a car that I'm interested in. But I always ask people as well, like, what's their philosophy? What do they look for? Uh, what are some of the attributes that goes into the decision-making process? Sometimes I feel like in the hobby, there are people that chase things. So, for like Dakota, if you say, hey, I'm collecting uh, John Morant right now, right? There are a lot of people that run to collect John Morant, but they don't really understand why is Dakota collecting John Morant Where's John Moran in the whole uh, scope of collecting? What are his cars doing? What is his on-the-court presence? How's he performing? Yep. How's he helping his team? And another thing I've noticed is that a lot of collectors do not watch sports. Oh, yeah. You get a lot of that, man. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it's it's an outlet for them. You know, the, the way that they enjoy sports is through collecting. You know, I'm not yeah. going to knock it. Neither you know, am I. Yeah. But when you talk about, like, if you're investing in a player, you know, you, you want to have some logic behind there from someone right. who knows something about sports some way or another, you know. Just yeah. like I have a lot of friends that collect stocks. Mm -hmm. If you ask them about why they collected that stock, there's one person in particular, a particular friend named Jeff. He could walk you through every step of why he bought that stock. Mm -hmm. And I just think as a collector, just me, I, I just want to be like that. I, I, I never settle for the information that I knew yesterday. And I'm always thinking about how's the total marketplace evolving and what are the next things that I need to consider that I haven't even thought of yet. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly so much of my PC is exactly that. Like I've learned more and more over the years, I've learned that, you know, when you're buying a card that's going to be in your PC and you're talking about that's a card that's going to be in your life for forever, you need yes. to, that card needs to be perfect for you. You know, the, yes. you're not going to be happy if there's something on there, some blim like you only buy PSA cards. Well, you don't, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying like if you're a collector only buys PSA cards, then 
they shouldn't buy a BGS version of their card and think they're going to trade into it or whatever. They're never going to be happy with it. They need to buy the PSA version, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, let me ask you. There was something, man, I tried to go back through some of your videos today, and I could not find it. There's okay. something you I died when you said it, man. It's at a live – It's you know, you know, you're at a card show, and you ask a guy for a price. And he says a price. I, I remember that I remember this man, but I could not find it. Okay. It's a nice card, and he's acting like you can't afford it. He he was acting that way. And then he said some really high dollar price. And you said something like, Are you sure about that? Or like you said something to check him on that price, man. I can't remember what it was. It's funny that you say that because I have a close friend that I went to college with, and he's always telling me, and I don't do this kind of intentionally. It's just because I know prices in my head mm-hmm. and I've done a bunch of research. I want people to realize that I've, before each show, before we go out, I've done a, hours of research on price. And when someone tells me something, it kind of shocks me sometimes. Mm-hmm. We had a recent show and I'm not calling a vendor out or anything. We had a recent show and a vendor had a one-on-one card of a particular player and quoted a price. And it shocked me. It, it, the the number shocked me, and I asked, "Okay, all right." It was a one on one card, okay. But even on a one on one, how did you come up with that price? Yep, yep, yep. And, and it's just important sometimes. So yeah, sometimes you you I know you've called something that uh, uh, and I'm not a confrontational person. I just want people out there to know that I'm oh, in no, a hobby. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm in a hobby to benefit uh, those around me, and I'm always trying to learn as well. So I never go in a situation like I know everything. But I put a lot of research into a lot of pre-work into what I'm trying to do. And even before rolling with FD began, that was my philosophy as well. Is to put a lot of pre-work in, understand where where are you at in the marketplace, and then be able to speak to it. But mm-hmm. uh, I think there are some situations though, where some prices are, are, are applied to some things. And when you get into the rationale of why, I think some people just like the particular number. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some people are stuck, man. So you're seeing now so many people, they're just like, they don't want to lose money on a card, you know? So they just won't move off of whatever, you know, they paid for it. And it's like, well, the market's, you know, been cut in half since then, or at least a third, you know? And yeah, just like recently, I went to look for a, a, a particular borough card that I purchased. I've had in some shows. I had in a mail day uh, episode, but that was a Chase. Uh, uh, who's the defensive end for the Washington? Chase uh, Young. Chase, Chase Young card that was there. A rookie card, Prism, uh, low print. I think it was out of five or out of ten. The sticker oh. price, yeah, the sticker, nice card. Called yeah. mine. Yeah. yeah, I think I think he's a player that's okay right now. Could get a lot better. Yep. But the sticker price on was twenty nine hundred dollars. So I thought, okay. Uh, so I, I went through the, the the conversation of asking, how did you come up with that price? And the, the seller was were really truthful with me and said. I'm in that card for twenty nine hundred. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's good. Some people won't share that information with you, but you know, as a person that's thinking about values and and dollars on cards, some people at that place. We see a dip right now uh, in the market. I believe it's a great atmosphere for someone who wants to buy. I've seen some Patrick Mahomes cards that have dipped a lot. Oh yeah, it's, it's a great atmosphere for someone who wants to buy Patrick Mahomes and maybe couldn't afford it before. Oh, we're on the fence, kind of just thinking about, do I want to make that move? Uh, so if you're buying in a dip, this is a great time. Yeah. If, you, if you're someone who bought in at a card at a high price, 
this is a time you might want to hold on to that card until the until the market goes back up. I'm I'm with you, man. I've been pouring money into the market right now. I'm just buying stuff left and right because I'm like, man, stuff's so cheap. People letting okay. it go. You know? If you spend any time on eBay, you're oh. seeing stuff unprecedented right now. It's so cheap, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. And um, let me ask you, well, you know, something I, I told my audience a long time ago, and it's probably a decent amount of people here that never heard me say this, but when I, when I talked about prepping for a card show, what I like to do is I like to, well, if you know certain cards you're going after, go get your comps and know them. But if, you, if you're just kind of going generally, I like to get like maybe 10 good comps of like highly you know popular cards. I mean, a 2018 Luca Prism 9 or 10, whatever. Yeah. Well, Whatever, you just go through 10 popular cards. And that way, when you go up to a dealer's table, decent chance they got one of those 10 cards if they're a super popular cards. You ask them the price, and if they give you a good price, you know there's somebody who's willing to deal. They've got their stuff marked properly. Yes. Yeah. I say all the time, a vendor, and I've said this in a few shows, the organization on their price being says to me a lot about the vendor. Yep. And, and when you talk to a, a person and they're, Quoting you a price up front that matches your research, it mm -hmm. lets you know that this is probably somebody I, that you can work with on a negotiation for the card. I think all that stuff is very important. Now, I've met, I've, I've bumped into some people who may quote $600 for a card that right now is at $250. Then you get talking to them and they get closer to what the market value is. It may not be exactly, depending on how much you want the card, but they get closer to it. And you can tell early in the conversation that person's willing to work with you. Now, if that person is in on a lot of cars at a, a top dollar amount, they're going to be less uh, likely to move down to a value that you're looking for. Yeah. And I get so aggravated with these people <laughs> when they when they, they do that 600 when it's only 250. But what I guess I've learned more is, well, especially now, because things move so fast in this market okay. and there's so okay. much data available, you get a little just one more kick of the tire, you know, they say 600 and you say, well, you know, recent comps are more like around 200, 250. And, and then they, they may come back and say, well, I'm not going to sell it for that. Or they may come back and say, oh, sorry, you know, I hadn't comped in it for forever. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm willing to negotiate around comps. And that's the thing I'll say on the side of vendors, just going through and getting ready for shows with me and I'm not selling anything. I'm just mm -hmm. prepared on the data that is available. There's a lot of work involved in pricing cards from price fans to even some of your high level cards. And like Dakota just said, if you put in three, four, six, eight hours pricing something, it's difficult if you're going to the next show and maybe it's two weeks later and prices have changed to put in that same work. But I think the conversation will work that out if you're talking to someone. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you another question, FD, you know, moving off of shows. Let me ask you about your PC a little bit. It's, not, it's a question I started asking people. Uh, how do you enjoy your PC? And I, what I mean is, you know, do you have it in boxes of cards and every so often you go through it? Do you have it on display in a room somewhere in your house? You know, you know, how do you enjoy the cards in your collection? One thing I, I've always told people, and I've, I've been like this since I started collecting at eight or nine years old. If you came to where I live, you wouldn't know I collected anything. You wouldn't I, know. You would not know. I'm not yeah. a I'm not a uh, showcase person. And if you are a showcase per person, I don't have a problem with that. But I'm a person where when I receive something, it could be autographed jersey, uh, it could be a card, it could be anything, autographed baseball, it goes into a storage place. And mm -hmm. that's kind of where it's kept. Now, since I've had children, I'll break some stuff out every once again and take some pictures. Like I had my son on Antonio Brown. This is a funny story to me. Was signed by the Raiders, right? 
I got mm-hmm. kind of excited about that. I really don't know why, but I purchased an autograph Antonio Brown helmet. And uh, one day my son was in the room and I was about to take it to storage and he wanted to put it on. So I put it on him and took a picture of him in the helmet. The picture to me is something that I want to look at. I'll pull it up on my phone, things like that. But it's not something that uh, I need to look at the helmet. Yeah. So I've always been like that. And then I'm I'm, I'm a real kind of, uh, I'm real particular on how much light is involved in something with a card or autograph. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's stored at the right temperature, uh, I'm really into that. So that that makes me want to put stuff in the storage even more. But uh, I'm all about, yeah, I'm all about taking pictures of stuff and every once in a while looking back. But it's almost just like my show. It's about the uh, the memory of the, the like the helmet and him putting it on and us laughing about that more than actually looking at the autograph on the helmet. But so, when, when you talk about my PC, it's I believe in my PC. I put a lot of work in up front to purchase things that, and, and we're not talking about just high dollar amount cars. Mm-hmm. There are cars that are lower dollar amount that I think should be respected, and I try to. And when I bring them in, it's something that I really want to invest in on a long term. Uh, before I started the show, I had never sold a card or an autograph that I ever purchased. That's crazy. And you never. said you've been, you know, have you been collecting, you know, more or less continuously since eight, or did you take a big break and come I back? Took, what happened? I took a break when I was in college for sure. two years. And that this is when Tim Duncan came out. I can remember all of us. Uh, that was right around when Tim Duncan, I was still collecting when Garnett came out because Garnett's from Chicago, went to Farragut High School. I tracked his career from when he was real young. Um, I took a break around, around when Kobe and uh, Tim Duncan came out. I can remember this. Then I got started, started back collecting. And then I took a break in the early 2000s when mm-hmm. I was back to school uh, because collecting cars, just I could not do that. I was focused on one particular thing. Sure, yeah. I got back into the hobby after that. So those were the two periods where I really took a break. So when people started talking about taking breaks, I completely understand. Uh, but now I, I go pretty hard. I'm pretty yeah. looking all the time. Now, uh, but you're talking about... Okay. You're talking about almost 30 years of, of being in the hobby and basically not selling cards until like yeah. the last year, six months yeah. or so. I sold some stuff at the National. I sold some old boxes. People look back at the National. Uh, I sold at the National two Carmelo Anthony uh, cards. I can tell you what I've sold. And then uh, uh, recently, I moved a LeBron James rookie card that was a little bit off center for a Steph Curry card. Hey. Those, are things, those are things that I've sold. I'm big on the Steph, man. I sold a, I had a prestige blue, so the number to 250. Oh, yeah. Um, is SGC9, I think. I bought that for like a hundred bucks, sold it for like 250. This was all like in the last 18 months. But now, okay. man, I just realized I'm like, Steph might be the guy. Like, I understand LeBron is the guy, but like outside of him, man, Steph might be the guy to have. And I'm like, man, I need to get me a, like a good Steph that I really like. Well, you know what's what's interesting is that I told friends. When LeBron beat the when Draymond got suspended, we can go into that. I've never seen a player get suspended in the finals. So when Draymond <laughs> got suspended in those finals and LeBron won, I told people that first week after the Cleveland Cavaliers won that I think Steph and Clay will end up having more championships when they retire than LeBron James. And I still believe that. I think. Steph will. I don't know. I mean, like Clay's so important. Don't get me. I mean, he's obviously so important, but I just feel like Golden State's going to be like Steph's our guy. 
and they're going to have to keep rotating talent around him. I'm worried about Clay's longevity getting hurt and Draymond the same kind of thing, you know. But, but I think what speaks volumes for Clay is some of his images are similar to Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a believer that Kevin Durant could come back and play the way he's playing right now. Mm-hmm. And if Clay can touch 70% of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about Draymond, and this is just a shitty little joke, but man. I've been watching a lot of TNT, Chuck and Charles, you know, yeah. and I cannot, man, Chuck talked about Draymond, you know, he's a, he called him what, a triple single? I was, oh my God, that's, he, he killed me, man. I stick, every time I think about Draymond now, all I can think of is a triple single. I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. a triple single walking, you know. But you know, I was, I lived in Detroit when Draymond was at Michigan State. I watched a lot of Michigan State basketball. He has taken his game to a whole nother level from a defensive perspective. If you see him play against Anthony Davis and some of these other players that, that are bigger than him, he holds his own on the block. Oh, yeah. And defense against them. So he is a cornerstone of what they do. We saw oh, the other yeah. night against Arizona, Aiton caused them a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't wait to coach until tomorrow night when they re-up that thing. Yeah, man. I, I mean, like, I like giving Draymond some, some stuff, you know, and then, like, you know, he likes to talk shit. So, you know, it's enjoyable, yeah. but – I do respect his game and, and who he is as a player. And I think he's just, I mean, he's critical to that team and, right. you know, to those, I mean, to that dynasty, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. Very much. Yeah. Very much so. Well, what about you, Dakota? Like what, what do you put in your PC? I've always wondered. And what kind of strategy do you go through before you make a purchase to add to it? Well, a lot of, I mean, my channel is built around, <laughs> learning how to build a collection that you're happy with. I tell people I've been collecting for 20 years. It was a continuous 20 years. You know, I take a few months off here and there, but you know, I paid basically was always buying cards. And then once I got the channel, you know, one of my series was called focus because I realized I wasn't. And I realized that, you know, I said I had a card collection, but really I just had amassed a ton of cards, but it didn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of been on that journey. And basically what I landed on was a collection that, you know, that is satisfying to you. I, and I gave some guidelines, but it's essentially a series of smaller collections that you put together for whatever reason. And some guidelines is you should really only PC maybe one player by sport, by era, you know, hardcore, like you really want a lot of their cards. Uh, and then for the most part, from any other player in that era that you like or whatever, you should probably just buy one nice card of them that you like. Um, but I also like to put together small sets, like small-ish sets. Um, once two sets I'm doing right now, uh, I'm collecting a, a rookie card of every NFL Hall of Famer, and I'm also collecting either a patch card or an auto card of every NFL 100 player. Um, and I then, like yeah, thanks. And then, so I'm being, and that, what I learned as I've gone on this, I'm being much more particular because I got this Johnny Unitas here. And like, I could have bought a Unitas jersey card for like 20 bucks. You know, I paid big money, you know, for me, 150 for this because it had multiple color patches and it's just so hard to find, you know? And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of, what I like to collect. No, I'm giving, I love baseball and basketball too. Football is my primary, but um, yeah, do I, I don't have any basketball on my desk, I guess, but I like this guy. He's not my PC. This is something I hope to make some money on, but Nikhil Alexander Walker, I like that guy. So there you go. There contenders you go. Auto. Yeah. I can respect fully what you're saying about the philosophy. It's uh, anything I think that narrows a person a little bit and gives them some scope to what they're trying to do. And there are many, like Dakota sharing here, I've shared a little bit of mine. There are many other philosophies out here that are very valid, but it helps a person kind of, uh, because I bumped into some people and started talking to them that 
are like uh, in this market with so many cards. You got to think. Dom Alley came out years ago. He only had a few rookie cards. Jose Canseco, only a few. Uh, uh, back when older players, Bill Russell and them came out, only a few. Oh, yeah. Now you have so many cards and so many variations and so many different colors. And, and then we get into the color matches the jersey, or is it the jersey number? Uh, and Kobe, you got 8 and 24 you can collect in the market. Kind of respects it. There are so many things to think about. If you can focus coming in early or coming back into the hobby, if you've been out significant years, it helps you take in enough information to start growing what you want to do. And then uh, it speaks to what your philosophy is. Like, I know if I was sitting with Dakota right now, he broke out his cars, he wouldn't have to tell me his philosophy. I could see it in his yeah. car. Yeah. But it, but see, a year ago, that wouldn't be the case. I mean, you'd probably see there's a lot of football, but there wasn't like a, you know, there wasn't a reason behind it. It was just me buying cards and players that I like. But now I'm like, okay, I understand it now. You know, mm -hmm. you need to have a rhyme and a reason to what you do because otherwise, you know, it just doesn't make sense and it's just kind of a mess. That's true. That's true. But yeah. you know, and I know that when we talk two, three years from now, our evolution is going to be continuous and our cars oh, yeah. is going to be continuously changing and evolving. Uh, we're, there's going to be new things that's going to come into the marketplace, especially from fanatics and other places that we don't know of right now. That's going to continuously scope what we look at and what we do, what the whole market desires, but also each individual collector. Yeah. You know, something I've talked about here recently, I've been buying a lot of 90s and 2000s football inserts, you know, kind of rare inserts. I mean, they're, they're dirt cheap because it's football. No one cared. But like what I'm learning is there's just so much hobby out there that's really unexplored because that stuff is so cheap, man. And I, I got yes. sitting back here. I got a card from 1996. It's a one in three case hit from 1996 Upper Deck SPX. It's got three Hall of Famers on it, Marino, Aikman, and Favre. And this came one every 35 hobby boxes. I bought it for 40 bucks. I'm like, if a card was that rare today with three Hall of Famers on it, who knows what that thing would go for if it came that's out right. of today's packs, you know? But that's the thing we're talking about here. A lot of the hobbyists chasing particular things. But everyone in earshot should know there are a lot of valuable things in the future that are greatly undervalued today that people haven't even paid attention to yet. Like the coach just said, that are, that are going to be just like we're talking about Seth Curry. Five to 10 years ago, excuse me. Yeah, five to 10 years ago. Almost really, really five years ago. They were winning. Yeah. A lot of people weren't talking about Seth Curry. I mean, what was his first championship? 2014? You probably you probably could have got a tops chrome then for nothing. I mean, Very 20 yes. bucks, I don't know, 40 bucks, you know. And you got to think about this, Tony Parker. No one's thinking about his cards. I look at his no. values. They, they shocked me. No one's thinking about that. This stuff is low print, hard to grade and high grade. No one's thinking about that. Yeah, no one talks about Tony. And another one from the same kind of era, there's, uh, you know, Dirk, you know, he gets a little bit of love, but man, his stuff is dirt cheap. Yeah. Not a lot. Not a lot at all. Compared to the love that Luca gets now. Oh, yeah. Nah. This is a, I got a video idea. So I'll talk about this for a second. Because, like, I guess what I'm realizing is the market is looking for goats. It is constantly looking for goats. And I think for any sport, you've only got a handful of those guys. Because you, I mean, you probably see it in your comments. I don't know. I get asked all the time, how come Mahomes go, goes for X, but John Elway, you know, goes for X minus yeah. a lot, you know? And like to me, I, and this is my theory that I'm working on, is that basically you only have so many goats. 
And people know there's a ton of money in the goats. And then so people are basically just gambling on who the next goat is because one of these guys will be profitable, yep. but only one of them. You know, that's how I think it's going to play out. Yep. I totally agree with that. Um, and also the thing about Mahomes is that he's relevant right now. A lot of collectors need to see that player every week. Mm-hmm. John Elway, he's in the press box, so he's 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 managing the game now. Yeah, he's not throwing a touchdown pass. So, and ESPN, I think, and some of these networks know. I think they've done enough research to know that the relevant player. We need to talk about LeBron, and we need to compare him to Mike because that keeps things relevant. Yeah, you know. But uh, you know, being from Chicago, I always tell people that that's only one Michael Jeffrey Jordan. I've never seen a person play game 53 like it's the game seven of the NBA finals. I've never seen that. And then he'll find, he used to find, I grew up, so I used to watch a lot of games with the Bulls, even before they were uh, a finals kind of team. Sure. He would find small nuances of things to, to uh, make himself compete against someone that no one else knew of. That's what he likes to do, right? He likes to, he likes, you know, don't give him an excuse to be mad at you. That's you right. Know? And if anybody ever heard the story that Kevin Garnett tells about how he's uh, talking to a teammate about, hey, you're killing Jordan tonight. And then uh, uh, Michael Jordan starts going off on their team after that scoring points. These are the things that he would look for to challenge himself. But I respect those who say, hey, Kobe's the GOAT and LeBron's the GOAT, but I'm just going to let you know where FD's saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard for me, you know, because I grew up in that era where they start talking about LeBron versus MJ. You know, LeBron comes up 03. I'm 12 years old at that point. I really started getting into basketball. And so, like, I'm like, I never watched MJ. Never. I mean, I watched Kobe. You know, I, there's just so many I didn't watch. And so, like, I've always felt like I can't, I can't make that argument. I can only say my eyes. This is the best player I've seen. Oh, I'm you know, but you got to know everyone behind them. You know, I didn't watch. You know, because people talk about Wilt. And I'm like, who the hell seen Wilt play? I don't know what how good Wilt was. I have no idea. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. They tell me he scored 100 in a game, but I'm like, show me the footage. You know, and it's just his black and white stuff. You have no idea if he scored 100 points, man. My father used to always tell me Wilt scored 100, but the uh, tallest player in the league was 6'6". Yeah, that's what, yep. It's just a different time, man. But, you know, it's all evolution of the game, too. You know, I think LeBron's probably a better player than MJ was, like, in a, in a vacuum, but it's because MJ came before him. And so LeBron gets to learn off of his game. And at, and at 17 years old, 18 years old, he's way more advanced than MJ is at 18 when he's, you know, barely going to North Carolina. But it's because there's 30 years more basketball between them that he got to learn from. You know, it's just right. a different era. Totally. But that doesn't make him better overall, you know. Yep. So, so today I want to jump into, we, you know, there's been some big news that's come out today. Which there's been a lot of big news. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you got PSA acquiring card. Oh, yeah. PSA then, card ladder. Yep. Yeah. And then you have uh, Dibs announcing that if you are an individual owner of a card, you can uh, do fractional ownership of that card through Dibs. Oh, dang. That's, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Yeah, that's you're big. owner of a very expensive or sought after card. Everything has just changed for you. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Did was there any details about? I, mean, I don't know. Like, because that seems like the natural conclusion. But I wonder if Dibs was hurting for more action, and that's why they did it. But it seems well, it like a natural be. conclusion. It could yeah. be. Yeah, they could. Yeah. What do you think about uh, PSA buying Card Ladder though? Oh, I, I think it's. Uh, I'm excited for it. 
I just think of it from, I know we all think of things from our perspective. And I, then I started later on today, I started thinking about, I put myself in someone else's shoes because I've talked to some um, car collectors who have sent cars into PSA. And I even asked someone this at a show that we're about to put out here, I think tomorrow or tonight. I asked someone who had a very rare LaMelo ball, one of one car. He sent it in to get it graded. And I asked, well, how did PSA understand the comp value of the car in order to charge you the premium of the grade? Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, now PSA will know the value of that car when they're grading it, and they'll know to charge accordingly what the upcharge would be if it's an 8, 9, 10, and what the value of that card is at an 8, 9, or 10. I don't know how they were doing that before. Yeah, I mean, because, like, they have their, like, their price guide, but it's always a little off, you know? Oh, and it's, yeah, so, like, I don't know. I'm pretty interested to see. I haven't really formed an opinion on this. I mean, as we're recording this, it's the news came out, I don't know, 12 oh, hours, no, ago. hours ago. Yeah, yeah I mean, it ain't, you know, personal finance dad barely got the video out. That tells you how Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Dustin. He, he got that yeah. out, and it was good information to get out. Uh, also, from my perspective, I love now, being able to, Dakota, you're selling cars. We're at a show. I'm sitting in front of your table. We're talking about price. I scan the QR code. A lot of information is coming my way now. And oh, it's yeah. more accurate information than it's ever been before. I know pop mm. now. I know the price of the car. I know seasonality of the car. I can look back at graphs and tell you, okay, it did this during the off-season last year. I'm anticipating it to do this. We can have that conversation now. We didn't have that information before. Not the touch of our finger. Yeah. Well, I like that. Like you said, just scan the QR code. I like that a lot because then too, you got so many of these cars now, you know, I mean, it seems everybody's become an expert on what a case, you know, a real case because there's so many fakes out there. People get worried about it right. and it would be nice to just be able to scan the code on the front of the case. And then it, it shows you like a, the, the image and, you know, at least it's just one more thing that kind of helped you with your security. Now, I know when we were at the National, well, we learned uh, that Alt has a uh, system where you can scan the front of the card and it'll bring up pricing information, uh-huh. all of that to you. Uh, but I think this whole thing is ever evolving. You know, all has that capability. I'm pretty sure Card Ladder, along with PSA, will have some additional functionality as we go forward. Uh, and there may even be some other players that we don't know right now. As Different car grading services pop up. I'm pretty sure we'll have different data sources that will also become available. I mean, I got I got two billion dollar ideas here, especially if this is going to be a hundred billion dollar whatever market that people yeah. are talking about. I got two big ones for you here. So one, I think the natural conclusion for eBay and how it's going, I think this is going to happen. I think they're going to get to the point where you take a picture of your card. It, it it's going to pull all the up all the information information up it's already you know they're already down that path they're doing it for um pokemon cards and for magic the gathering i think sports cards next but then i think they're going to give it a um, a grade they're going to give it a a, you know a rough grade if it's a raw card Uh, because it's going to be hard for them to tell the edges and stuff on the side but i think it's going to look at surface look at back corners edges and give kind of a rough grade for what they think it is oh i could see that coming and i think that would be great When I look at an ungraded car on eBay, I am meticulously looking at the picture. Oh, yeah. And there have been some cars that I really want. If that picture does not look right, or another thing I've noticed, Dakota, you tell me this. Someone has a card, right? I use my phone for him. 
you can take a picture like this mm -hmm. or you or you can tilt the picture. So now that you don't know if the centering is off, if an edge, maybe they show you one edge, don't want to show you the other edge. If I if I see anything like that, I'm no longer interested in the product. Let me tell you right now, man, $700 PSA 1 Jerry West, 1961 Fleer rookie. I picked that sucker up. The picture was kind of weird. It's from Merchandise Liquidators. They got 12,000 feedback, 120,000, something. I don't know. You know, I'm like, okay. The picture, let me tell you, it's like, it's kind of like this. Yeah. And so the label's up here. And so I see the card and I can see a little something here. And I'm like, okay, it's got a little crease right there because the rest of the card looks super clean, well centered. Everything's nice. Got a little bit of a crease right here. So I'm like, okay, that's the crease. That's why I get to one. You know what? That looks good. Then I get the card and there are creases, man. It's just all over this card. I mean, the card is just beat to hell. And I asked for a refund and they're like, what are you talking about? It's already graded. I'm like, no, no, no. There's, you know, the grades are, especially in a one, the grade is flexible. You know, it's a huge oh, variety yeah. of what a one could look like. Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, that's, but you know, I've seen that slanted picture mm -hmm. and I've asked people sometimes for additional pictures and I don't get them. I just have to walk away. I learned my lesson there, but hey, I got my refund. It took me like freaking two weeks. No, it took me longer. It took a long time. I was a little salty about that, but. <laughs> but the cool thing about it is you, you learn from that. You know, oh, you yeah. You learn from it. Yeah. And let me tell you my other billion dollar idea. And this is the one I think that's going to be real good. And I do, I mean, I hope this happens. But you know, I mean, this is this is pie in the sky, man. Is as happy as it could be could be. I would love a company to develop a grading software that is just determined to be the best. And then I would love to see the main grading companies pick up those softwares. And what I would like that software to do is to scan the card and create the fingerprint like a lot of people, you know, talk about. And the ultra modern stuff, there's so many cards, it may be hard to do. But I think for a lot of the cards out there in circulation, you could do it. And then have a central tracker that shows the grades for that card, whether it's in a PSA case, BGS, SGC, whoever has access to that um, software. And then also it keeps the provenance of it so it knows who had the card, when it had the card. It tracks the card throughout its history. I just think that'd be so cool, man. But I don't know. We'll see. Well, I think it's coming. So let me tell you this. Back in the day, oh, I can't remember the name of the company now. There was a company that Sammy Sosa signed autographs with. I can't remember the name of the company. And it did just that. It tracked along the way. You had to register. If oh. you, had, you had an autographed jersey, you and you saw, and I saw that to you, Dakota. You would have to get on a register your jersey for it to continue to be uh, considered authentic, and it would show that I had the jersey at one point, and then you had the jersey at one point, and if you sold that jersey again, it just kept moving down the line. Yeah. Now that idea kind of stayed with that company, and when that company no longer went forward, it kind of it didn't progress to somewhere mm -hmm. else. But I believe things like that are happening. Or yeah. will happen in the future. I think we're going to see a more of a evolution on what kind of data is stored and how does it show mm -hmm. progression of the card over time uh, as well. I think also that may be more data that comes that shows you what is an eight, what is a nine. Like with PSA sometimes with some other companies, you may see something off center still as a PSA 10. Oh, yeah. I meant to add that too, like, because I would love to see that in that software too, where it shows. Because well, my boys over there at TGT Transparent Grading, uh, not company team, they yep. like 
you know, they talked about they put in their greater notes in there so you know what it is. And I think that's a great idea. I would love to see that. And it makes us all smarter to know what the different grades are. So I would love to see that in that software too. So you know, like what the dings are on it and, you know, it just helps with the, making a decision to buy the card or not. I think it was a great idea. Man. I think that something like that is, uh, is common. That, those are the things that you get excited about when you hear about PSA acquiring car ladder. Yes. What other information is coming out of that? Yeah. And I, back when Fanatics first announced that they were, were doing what they were doing, I released a quick video. I was sitting at home. And I'm just going to tell people this, thinking like, man, that's a great idea. You know, Fanatics is getting involved. And then I started listening to people like, oh, no, this is bad and kind of panicking a little bit. And my girlfriend and I sat down and talked, and I was like, well, I think this is wonderful. Why are people panicking? And she said, well, Fabian, you should just let people know what you think. And with the, something like this with Carlotta and PSA, I think these are all positive steps. As individuals say, I think the car market is drying up. Uh, cars are not going to be worth what they used to be worth in the past. We see corporations and branding coming in. And large dollar amounts going into this hobby mm -hmm. for a reason. And to me, those are all positive things to Dakota. Make sure that your investment, my investments, and others, we're going to still see growth because more money is being dumped into the market. I'm with you 100% and have been since that news too, man. I'm like, are y'all kidding me? Tops. And, you know, we're all sitting here talking about how bad they've done, how That's bad right. these new cards look and how right. we can't get product. And it's awful. And now you got this big $10 billion company coming in here and saying, hey, we want to do this. It's like, come on, you know, they're bringing the big dreamer in here. Like, this is what we want. You know, these are the people we want running this thing. Yeah. And I think so and many think people. So. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Efty. No, I'm saying at least I think so. I agree. Yeah. And I think so many people like, I mean, it is a monopoly and it's not great. Yada, yada, yada. But you have to look at what, um, what is going to drive them. And it's going to be profits. Yes. But it's long-term growth of the hobby. Long-term growth is what's good for fanatics. And that's what's good for you if you're a collector and have a collection and, you know, want to stay and be in the hobby and, and have it thrive. You know, they want a thriving hobby. You want a thriving hobby. To me, you know, our goals are intertwined, you know, so I, I'm all aboard. All aboard, man. I think it's very positive. I do try to step back and think if I was a distributor of cars, if I bought cars in big boats, like uh, 100 cases, 50 cases at a time, if I'm doing a lot of breaks, how does this affect those people? Um, so I, I try to step back and think about that, but I think just overall the hobby, things will evolve. And I've recently uh, talked to several people who have been in the hobby in a mature state in the hobby. Not like uh, like me, like collecting at eight. These were grown individuals when Beckett uh, magazine was out and other things mm. were happening. And they've talked about how they've navigated through changes in the hobby. I think all of us are going to have a story 30 years from now of how we also have navigated the road of change. And I know this, change is not something that is easy to be digested and embraced. But I just want people out there to think about how change can also be good. I'm tired of seeing a card that has a patch in it that has nothing to do with that player. I'm, I'm with tired. you. I'm tired of that personally. And if someone could put up now a patch in that was from game six of the finals or from memorabilia that's connected to that player, game used from any game throughout the season, it makes that special. But, you know, there are LaMelo Ball, uh, James Wiseman cards out here, Anthony Edwards. There are patches that they've never seen that jersey worn or done anything with it. 
but the yeah. car values are still rising. I'm with you 100%, man. I, I I love me some game use jersey. I mean, that's what I'm all about is game use jersey. I think that stuff is so slept on. And I think the reason it's slept on is because you have so many of these crappy patches that are being put out. Agree. And it, they're just frivolous and completely. I mean, honestly, if you opened a booster box and you pulled like a rookie jersey, it's basically a trash card at this point. I mean, it's less than three bucks. I mean, what are you going to do with it? Don't know. But yeah. as a company, I know that we started with game use, probably ran out of inventory on that stuff. Yeah. And wanted to meet the demand from our customers, but people want those kind of cards. So then there's an influx of other stuff that's coming in. But we get, you got to go back to the drawing board. And I know there are other collectors out there like us that's like shaking their head, like, yeah, we need the real deal in these cards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you, you hit it 100%. That's why I look at this so, so much. I mean, they're not it's making nice. any more United jerseys, man. I mean, that stuff's, yeah. that stuff's done. Yeah, I'm all about it, man. I love that stuff. All right, man. What, uh, what, we well, got any, um, you got any shows coming up here? Oh, yeah. We have a show tomorrow that we're going to, uh, here in LA. Um, there's also a function that we're going to go to on Sunday. I'm not going to spoil it. Oh, okay, okay. Keep a little suspense as a function we're going to. Uh, then, uh, what next weekend we have the Pachanga Casino show that's out here in LA. Okay. Very, it's a very nice show. I wish, uh, more people from other states could attend. We're going to be going to that. And then we have a calendar of different things we're going to be doing from now to January. Um, so yeah, we try to stay busy, try to pack yeah. in with stuff. We took a little time for Thanksgiving to uh, as family time, but we want to want to get back at it and get out and talk to people. And um, I think for the Pachanga show, I'm going to have a special guest that's uh, going to walk the Pachanga show with me. So. And that's what I'm all about more and more now is uh, bringing more people in, talking to people. We engage. There are a lot of uh, young collectors that are out there that I think I talk about more and more. Uh, I think they're the lifeblood of the hobby in the future. And I'm talking about from five, six years old to probably early 20s. There mm -hmm. are or even 18. There are people out here. We went to the Nationals. Dakota, were you at the national this past I year? I didn't get to go, no. You but you've been before. I haven't been to a national, no. We um I so in Houston we don't have very many shows, but we have two huge shows. And so oh, yeah, I never I had an itch to go to the national because I like I got two huge shows a year, you know, like I'm yeah, good. Yeah, try so, hooks up Houston. Exactly. Houston. But 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 now, you know, after the channel and everything, I would I want to go just because I want to meet all these people I've been talking to for a year, you know. But I'll go next year with my plan. Well also what I want to do, it's funny that you say that. I want to eventually come down to a Houston show for the challenge to start. The last time I came down there was probably about five years ago. And Ricky Henderson was signing. Uh, Dave Stewart was signing. Mm. Nolan Ryan was down there. Oh, yeah. And I got a lot of autographs at that show. So yeah. I, that is a great show. People also haven't been to that show. It's a wonderful show that TriStar puts on. But, yeah. at the, but at the national trade night, uh, these age groups were running the trade night. Just running it, and there, there were there were people twelve years old that had like twenty thousand dollars in cars in front of them, and I knew mean. the values of those cars, could speak to those cars. I I love the knowledge that was present, and not only the, just the dollar amounts, but the knowledge that was present on the cars. And then you had families that had tables set up. You had husband and wives who were selling together. I think those are the things that I want to keep 
nurturing and talking to people about and bringing to everyone that doesn't go to a lot of shows that there's a lot of family interaction here and there are a lot of young entrepreneurs that are coming up that i'm going to respect i would ask the entire hobby to embrace them because they're coming strong they know their cards uh, they know the values of them and they can speak to them yeah and i think <clears throat> You know, it's teaching, you said young entrepreneurs and whether they stay with cards or not, doesn't matter. I love the skills they're learning, doing it myself. You know, I learned so much this last year. I started my own business to do this. Yep. And that was my first time doing that. And I learned so much going through that. You know, me and the missus will probably get into real estate. And when we do, I already know how to start a business. I know how to get all my ducks in a row. You know, you learn so much doing this. Stuff. So positive. It is, it's just very, like my son, my son is five. You know, you've seen him running around the show. He pays attention to everything. Mm-hmm. He can walk around the house now, and you'll hear him saying some things that I said in the intro or a conversation that I have with somebody. We sit and watch shows as a family after we put them out, and he's glued into that. He's learning that. He just asked me um, today, "When can I go to a show with you?" And I said, uh-huh. "Hey, you know, there, there's some. I'm the kind of person that you know, uh, when you're young, some things tell you about other things that's going to happen." I want him to get way really mature when you go out. How do you present yourself to people? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you talking to people? How do you respect the product that's on the table? That's not your product. I yep. want him to learn all of that. And then you start seeing him on the show. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, man. That'd be good. Let me ask you this. Um, what, what, another thing I noticed right when I first saw your channel, right? You're 500 subscribers. I'm watching this video. I'm like, and this video is edited, man. This is good. Oh my God, this is good. Yeah. How do you, you get, how do you edit it so clean, man? We take it very seriously. So uh, G, uh, G is my editor. He's my son, mm. and um, I've said before he um, used to do stop motion stuff with with uh, Lego figures and make different five and seven minute movies when he was very young. Uh, he takes editing very seriously. He wants to go to film school to uh, learn more about editing and the overall arts and crafts behind the camera. Um, so we take it very seriously. And it, there's a lot of work putting in. Um, and I don't have, a, 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 and when I say this, it's because we want to do that for the hobby. Um, and I don't say anything. I, I, I'm very positive about the entire hobby. You know, there, there are people out there who don't have a dedicated editor so they have to do it they do it themselves and they're putting out great content and there are some um influences some people that are very popular on on uh, youtube that are doing that and i love watching their videos but we wanted to bring something that was kind of hard-hitting uh to to me taking steps in the hobby of what we want to bring to people and we want to be able to showcase over time kind of what we're doing and uh, and I wanted G to have an atmosphere where he could work on his craft mm-hmm. over time, and and he I give him full reign if he wants to do something that he thinks a bit of editing may bring a little humor or something that may make it a little bit different. He has full reign to do that, and uh, we support it. And um, I love to see the creativity from him. So that's really what that's all about. It's, it's me trying to bring it as much as I can in front of the camera, being me. And nothing about that is made up. Uh, and him being able to kind of showcase his skills on what he does as far as the editing on that, on that side. And we team up. 
And really, we talk about all the time around here. At the end of the day, if we can showcase our family the right way and um, be a part of the hobby and the community, then that's what it's all about. Yeah, man, I, I feel you 100%. I mean, besides from my own selfishness, like trying to learn how to build a collection, this for me was all about the community. Because I just saw all these people, and this is a year ago, man. What the my 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 video that really kind of got me on the most people's radars was I put out this video like in the spring that says uh, investing in goats is overrated. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, that. Thanks. Oh, yeah. I'm proud of that. You know, people like to give me shit for it. I don't know why. Like, I feel like I was, I was right in that video, and the whole purpose of that was because like so many people on YouTube at that point were just saying goats are safe, goats are safe, goats are safe, and I'm saying if you zoom out just for a second you will see we are sitting on the Eiffel Tower of this, these price charts and you need to not just dump money into this. And of course, then we have a huge crash. And, um, you know, and that, that was just, that's all I wanted to bring was perspective to new people who are in the hobby just to be like, look, I know, I know everyone thinks this is all unicorns and rainbows and it's all a good time, but it's not always like that. You know, it ebbs and it flows and we're not just going to keep going to the moon. And so, because like, and the reason for that, just to follow up is like, because if people lose all their money right there, then they're out of the hobby for good. They're done. And then, yeah. and then and I've met people who are bitter. Exactly. They become bitter. Oh, yeah. Instead of it being something that's a fun investment, something to learn from, all the other things that surround it uh, and cherishing that, it becomes strictly about, did it go from $1 to $5? And yeah. that's all. 100%. And I mean, you know, as well as I do, you know, from 2000 to 19 or to 2018 wasn't the best time in the hobby. You know, I don't want to go back to that. I like the hobby as it is. I like this explosion and excitement and people interested in it. So, yeah, I think retaining people and keeping more people coming in is is really important thing to do for, for us. And as a person that's out there that's putting out content, I also uh, like to speak to those who are just getting into the hobby or may only have so many, so much, so many dollars to spend. There's still a hobby for you. I, I talk to friends about this all the time. There's still a hobby for you. If you're collecting $50 cars that one day will be $125, there is an investment for you right there. There is a climb there. Uh, I don't ever want, just me personally saying, that we only focus on cars that are five-figure and six-figure cars. There are many collectors that may never get into that range, but they still have a hobby that's there. For them, if you go to a car show and I go to when I go, I'm in the price bins. And I found some gems in price bins that oh, people yeah. are walking. If it's not in the case, I'm not looking at it. People are just walking by. There's stuff there. So if you go to a show, no matter what show you're at, spend time in the quiet places outside where people are not really at, you'll find some things. And I want that those people to know there's a hobby for you. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Anyone who spends some time watching me at my shows or whatever, like, I love dollar. I mean, I'm all about the dollar. I'm a cheap bastard. Yeah. I mean, there's no two ways about it. That's right. And when you look at, uh, I mean, I mean, two of the bigger, you know, channels out there, Sports Cars Investors, you know, his content is more like $50,000 deals, $100,000 deals. But mm -hmm. then when you look at another big one, uh, CCC2, uh, Card Collector2, CC2, you know, out there in Ohio, most of his videos are him going through dollar bins, you know, just let, buying dollar bins. Let me cars. just say about Ryan. I, I watched Ryan years ago, and I know oh, nothing yeah. person, years ago. And he will go to a show, unassuming, and sit, pull a chair up or pull his suitcase up and sit on it and just spend time just going through bins, just going through bins, meticulously going through bins. And he was asking himself, 
is it something that I can take back to Ohio if they're a market for it? Mm-hmm. Some of us as collectors, I mean, I have a business. We can ask ourselves, is this a person that I want in my PC? Is this someone that I want to invest in? He recently went to a show and pulled a Mahomes rookie car of, of Mahomes in his Texas Tech uh, uniform out of a price pen. Man, that's so crazy. And yeah. I mean, to your point then too, like I learned so much from Ryan because like, you know, I'm from Houston. We don't have a big college you know, seeing we you have AM in, in Texas, but you know, you don't have a lot of players going. I mean, we had some in the night, whatever. But you know, like to me, college uniforms and football have always been bad. You know, you don't want them. But he thinks they're treasure because you know, right. people sell them for 50 cents. He's like, I'll take it to my store and get two bucks for it all day. Right. You know, this is easy. You know, and it just opened my eyes that there are more markets out there than we realize. That's why I respect Ryan so much. I had the opportunity to meet him at the last national and take a picture with him. But I just respect him so much because I've seen him over time take the time and be diligent about the quiet places. I'll keep saying that where mm-hmm. people are not talking about this stuff. And, but there's value there. There's collectability there. There are even cars you can pull out that later you may want to grade. Some people may think I'm crazy for that, but you're going to, I think over time you're going to find we, everybody's cherishing tens right now. Nines are going to be become more collectible. People are talking about nines. There are going to be some cars where eights are more collectible. Some of these prices, and I know PSA is probably about to announce something soon. Well, some grading prices are going to go down some. Uh, there's going to be more cars that people are going to want to submit. Those things are going to affect the market. So don't think that I can't spend time in a price band and one day have a nice graded car out of that because you can. And then we don't know in the future what the values of those cars could be that people are overlooking today. Because I can just tell you this. Some of my homes, Kobe, Jordan, LeBron, some of those cars are going to get to a, a place on a price scale that they're only a fractional card. Most mm-hmm. of us collectors are never going to be able to afford them. What cars are we going to go to next? What cars are going to be sold after next? It's going to be those now that are at a lower price point. They may come out with a bin. They may be a car right now that's between $100 and $500. Those are the cars that's going to be more collectible in the future because somebody's going to want to see something in their hand and not just own something on a computer screen. Just my thoughts. No, I'm with you hundred percent. I've been talking about this a little bit in a little bit different way, but I mean, similar, but cause like I've been thinking about Brady and Brady's cars are so high, you know? And then, so I'm like, well, I mean, this is ridiculous. Everyone tells me football, you can't make no money, but look at Brady's. I mean, this is crazy. And then I'm looking at it. I'm like, Peyton Manning's nothing. nothing. And then some early Brady stuff, you know, after 2000 is is pretty cheap. So I've been looking at that late 90s, uh, you know, 99 second year Peyton Manning. And then like 2000 through 2004, you know, really nice inserts of Manning and Brady. And this stuff is just so cheap relative to that those Brady. That Bowman Chrome can only go so high before people are like, I got to put money somewhere else because I can't. I can't. Just think in, that about, in 2019, the value of, of Bowman Chrome. It was mm-hmm. much less. Uh, JM Sports Cars. Put up something one time and I want to say hello to him. I think he's a great collector. He does the great content. He put up a flashback when, when the national was going on of what Brady car prices were in 2019. I mean, they, there was some chromes for $750, $1,000 that now on a whole nother level. And everybody, oh, again, we talk about who's chasing. Everybody's chasing Brady. Mm-hmm. Believe me, Manning's sitting there. But I, I really believe that there will be a market for uh, Manning. Well, we'll look back to Coda and say that that 2020, that 2021, that 2022 was a time to get in on Manning. Yeah. Because 
stuff is not just going to sit there forever. And you, you think about this. Hank Aaron, when he was alive, his cars were very undervalued, right? Hank Aaron passes away. His cars have jumped. Now, then you saw a, a small tick in Willie Mays' cars when Hank Aaron passed away. But mm -hmm. Willie Mays' cars are still greatly undervalued. And I've heard murmurs from various dealers that rumors are his health is in question mm -hmm. and, you know, this stuff. So, you know, you're going to see that continue to go up. And, you know, it's right. funny. I mean, maybe you saw this, too, again, before the boom, you know, last 20 years before the boom. It, it would happen. Guys would pass and their cards would go up for a month and then come back down. The, hey, Aaron's cards have not come down. And nope. I don't see any reason for them, too. Like, they're I not, think they're going to stay up there. I agree with you. They're going to stay up there. They're not they're not going anywhere. I mean, you can go to uh, PSA three. It could be a card that's beat up. That card mm -hmm. is still going to hold value. Uh, it could be a card that he actually signed that was in poor condition. That card is going to hold value. All that stuff is uh, is special. I have nothing but love for Hank Aaron. I I had a chance to meet him twice. Uh, he's a very special uh, athlete to me. Um, I can't say how much Willie Mays. I had a chance to meet him. Very special athlete. And those were the days where the autograph, you were just seeking an autograph. You were going to these TriStar shows or some of these uh, Chicago Sun-Times shows in Chicago back mm -hmm. then. You were just seeking their autograph. You just wanted to meet them mm -hmm. and shake their hand or something. And now even those autographs are going to go to a whole nother level. We're, I mean, we're seeing that so many. I mean, I mean you, I'm mean, i sure you'll attest to this too. You know, forever in the hobby, if you had a hand-signed card, it was basically worthless. But now that stuff graded, especially those 50s rookies cards, great, you know, authenticated by BGS usually, you know, that stuff is is in high demand. You know, people realize that's a pretty cool card, especially when, you know, when it's authenticated, you know. Just so everybody out there knows what Dakota's talking about. That was a time in the hobby. If you took a Walter Payton card and had Walter Payton sign it, that signed card was worth less than the original card. I know people out there like, when did that ever happen? That was happening. Now you take that signed card. You get that thing slabbed and authenticated. It's through the roof. What mm -hmm. I think. That, those are the changes in the hobby. We will continue to see them. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm all for it, though. I like the changes, man. I like the, the, the changes, the flavors of the month as new cards roll in. And it brings people's attention to different sets of old cards in the past, you know, and I, I kind of like that. I, I like it a lot. That's what to me is the hunt, it's the excitement, it's the that's the ever changing stuff. It's the it, it gives me a desire to always research and understand and not settle for what I thought I knew last week. Mm -hmm. But I can't tell you how many weeks I see different trends and different stuff. And I'll pick some players and just go through and see what I see. Yeah. Oh, I feel you hundred percent on that one. Yeah. I'm always, you know, the wind blows and I'm like, I got a new idea now, you know. <laughs> that's right. All right, man. You got any other questions for me, FD? What do you got? Uh, you know, I can't wait to meet you in person uh, one day. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be real exciting. Uh, but as you sit here right now, you, you were talking about a, the hobby. Um, what, what do you think? Like, what are, what are you looking at as far as the market and what's going to happen between now? And I think a golden time is probably June 1st of 2022. If you had your mystical ball, what would you what would you predict will be will be happening before we even get to the next next national? Yeah, before we get to the next national, 
my prediction is going to be prices continue to drop, <laughs> which people may not like in, you know, but I just, I don't, I think they're going to keep going down. Well, let me rephrase that. I think attention is going to continue to get moved to classics, to true vintage cards. And I think a lot of the cards that are being chased now, the Mahomes, the Lucas, I think we're going to continue to see this modern drop. And I think as modern cards and ultra modern cards continue to drop, we're going to see a lot of vintage hold water. And then some like maybe Peyton Manning or others, something like that. You're going to see some of those guys start to uptick as the market you know, continues to realize they're, they're undervalued. I totally agree with you. I made a prediction at the national this year. And I told a few people that I thought that when we got closer to the end of the year, and I thought what happened around Halloween mm. from Halloween to February, 2022, I saw car prices coming down. Um, some people disagree with me. Some people said, well, you know, we'll see because you can never really be a hundred percent right. Sure, yeah. did, and I knew that. But I think I agree with you. I think that's going to be a continual dip for a while. I think if you are a buyer and you had your eye on a particular card, and it could be even vintage stuff from the 50s, 60s, and 70s that you really wanted to collect, this is your, I believe this is your window to, to invest, buy into those cards. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing stuff move up as we get further into spring and summer of next year. And probably before we get to the national, you'll see uh, car prices not what they are right now. And if you want, if we could have this conversation again, maybe out there, jot down some prices of some cars that you're looking at right now, and then let's see what those values are on June first. It, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. If you, I, you know, I looked at, uh, I stopped doing weekly like reviews of, of price trends, but I do it every so often. And I notice everything's on a decline. Some vintage is holding, but there's a card behind me. It's in one of those big cases. You can't see what it is, but it's a Namath rookie. And I bought that. Oh, I think I see it. Yeah. Yeah. You can maybe yeah. see it's this one back here. It's yeah. hard to see, but but it. I bought that two months ago, and it's a PSA three. It's a beautiful PSA three, and I bought it for nineteen hundred dollars. And I remember I told my wife I said I'm gonna take money, you know, because I got my card account. But I said you know for this one I want this card. I didn't have that in the card account. You know I don't usually buy cards that big. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use our money. I'm going to buy this car. She said, okay. And she, well, she said, why? And I said, I just, I think this is too low. And I think it's crazy low. And that this is, you know, six, eight weeks ago, that car goes for 3,500 now. And I just got lucky. But, but I, I, I can't help but think about that card and think that that's going to be a trend where there's just some of these vintage cards out there that people just way undervalued. And let me just say this. Listen, in my opinion, like in my thought, you didn't get lucky. The name Joe Namath. The grade that's on the car, mm -hmm. the research that you did prior to purchasing that car yielded a return. This is mm -hmm. what I tell people all the time. If you can check three or four prices, uh, uh, boxes, if you can have the player that resonates with a potential buyer in the future, mm -hmm. you have a particular grade on the car that is sought after, uh, and you put your proper due diligence in looking at where is this car at? When you said $1,900, the smile went on my face. Mm -hmm. that's a great price to get in on that car yeah you're going to see quick returns and dakota you're going to see longer returns later yeah Joe Namath, when you think about the 60s and the 70s though, really the 60s playing ball and winning that super bowl he resonates with people even now when he pops up at a jets camp and tells, oh yeah tells the jets their trash to their face it resonates with people because they know he can say that because of where he's been and he yep. was one of the 
after United, he was the quarterback that really uh, swung the ball. Ken Stabler, those quarterbacks, they're special. Yeah, you know, and a lot of what – I mean, obviously Magic Bird, MJ, I mean, these guys are, are – diff, you know, they're special for a lot of reasons, but a lot of what made them special, Magic and Bird is the reason we don't watch NBA championships on tape delay. You know, I mean, up until then, they were watching that on tape delay. Then they showed up and said, like, oh, this is good TV. So they didn't get on TV. And then MJ shows up, sure. and now it's a global sport. You know, he made it this global image. You know, Unitas made football popular. But right. Namath made it real popular right. with, with his, uh, his declaration campaign. Him in a mink coat and him doing gene commercials. Yeah, that's a, the next level. I'll tell I tell people this all the time. My father moved to Chicago, Illinois, in 1969. The Chicago Bulls were only on the radio. <laughs> there you go. I watched them on TV. So you think about that in today's market. There's some games on. I saw the other day a Denver's playing. Um, uh, some team, like, I don't want to see that, but yeah. it's on, but it's on TV. Yeah, it's there for us. We're not we're not tuning in on the radio to hear that broadcast from someone. So. I mean, they literally the NBA championship games were played in the you know the stations recorded them and they then they played them after the the evening news. Like you when you watched the NBA championships in the seventies, you watched it like two three hours after it happened. And now, like you said, we get you know Memphis and Denver. I don't want to watch that game, but hey, you know, it's you, you can you have access to it live right now. Go check it and out. I, and let me also tell you this the further evolution of things. When I was in college in the 90s, this, uh, this is the St. Louis Post Dispatch. If anybody knows that newspaper, if a game happened late on Monday night, you couldn't read about the game until Wednesday's newspaper. Yeah. Now, if I say this stuff to people now, they used to, that used to frustrate me so much because we're, we used to always talk about sports and, and had these debates in our student union building about who's better, this or that. But you couldn't even understand who won the game if you had to go to sleep to get up to go to practice or to go to a class until Wednesday. Unless you caught it on the sports center in between classes. Or yeah. But other than that, you did not know. That's the evolution of everything. So now when we talk about, again, PSA, card ladder, data, these are the things now that are totally different than they've ever been. And it's going to be exciting to see how it goes down. Yeah, I think it's a huge evolution for the hobby to have access to this much data. I was I was trying to think, man. I mean, I've been buying on eBay since 02. I had to use my mom's account because I was like 11. But <laughs> when did when did we start looking at comps on eBay? I, I can't remember. Do you not remember? Oh, that's, that's uh, ooh, I can't tell you exactly when because I remember a time. I'll tell you this. Well, people were saying eBay prices are not the prices of the market. I mean, like back. Like you oh, couldn't, you were so you right. Yeah, yes, you couldn't you get a Beckett. Yes, yeah. yeah. You used to get yeah. a Beckett. You would flip through that, and eBay was a little bit more. And people would say, "Oh, that's that's an auction. That's a small uh, subset of what the price may be." But then I took a break, come back to the hobby, come back to the card side, and people are respecting what eBay says. Now I know there are some people out there that still say, uh, "I don't respect eBay uh, comp prices, and I'm not going by that." But I always give the analogy. If you're looking for a used car, you go to Kelly Blue Book. Dakota, you and I are not just yeah. out saying this 68 Chevy is worth this. Yeah. We're going to a source. You go to a dealership. We're going to a source to understand. eBay now is that source. But that, that, that's a great question. That was a time where people weren't even looking at that. They were looking mm -hmm. at a publication that by the time you saw the price, was probably already outdated. 
No, man, you, you you triggered a great memory there because even beyond beyond that, there was a time like 2010. I remember this in 2010. People were still using Beckett, but eBay had been out for a decade of sports cards. And and you would go up to like a table and you'd be like, you know, how much for the card? And they'd be like, well, Beckett says, you know, book value 35 bucks. And you'd be like, well, it's selling on eBay for 18 bucks. And they would always be like, well, you know, then go buy it on eBay. I mean, they get so mad. And it's like, you know, they wanted to go off Beckett value because then, yeah, Beckett value was definitely inflated in the early 2010s. And then I'm pretty sure by the middle of the 2010s, we were on eBay comps exclusively. That's but, right. But also uh, think about this. There was a time like I went LeBron's rookie year and got a LeBron Pops Chrome graded BGS 9.5 card, right? And I got the paper version as well. Great, a graded. And this was back when he was still a rookie. Yeah. Those cards were not, were not in the Beckett book. The graded yeah. prices not in the Beckett book. So they were still quoting the ungraded price. And so I remember talking to some oh vendors. Oh, my God. Back in time, I remember talking to some vendors, and they're, they're going by the Beckett value, but not the grade. Oh, I don't even know anything. I remember going into car stores, and car uh, uh, LCS owners didn't even know what car graded cars were. My first graded cars, I tell this story all the time, that, I, that I've seen at a local car shop. I'm in business school. I t on spring break, I fly down to Miami, Florida, kind of hanging out, right? And when I would make trips like that, I would always visit a local car store to see the different markets that were going on with cars. I walk in. This gentleman had graded rookie LeBrons. This was LeBron's rookie year. Graded rookie LeBron, graded rookie Dwayne Wade, graded rookie Carmelo Anthony. And he had them. He had the top chrome. He had the paper. He had this stuff. He had like probably about four or five cars per play in a case. And that was the first day I asked him. What is this card in? And he Man. started explaining to me about grading. And then I, like a light bulb went off of my head. And I said, wow, okay, that's what a hobby is. Well, I've been going to school and doing things. Like, this is what a hobby is going. I knew at that point that everything was changing. There's, yeah. no, there's no back and forth. Back before that, you were going to LCS. And you would say the card is mint. I would see a blemish and say it's not. But yeah. the LCS wanted to charge me the, the mint price. This car's not mint. This mm -hmm. car's not mint. Well, I just took out the pack. But we all know now taking cars out of packs doesn't mean they're mint. So yep. this grading platform eliminates all that. So all uh, people that are out there who maybe weren't collecting at that time, these are the evolutions that when I hear stuff now that's coming, I don't really get shocked because walking into that Miami uh, car store, Taught me a lot that day that I had never seen in Chicago. I just had never seen. I'd never seen it in St. Louis when I was in St. Louis. Never That's saw so it. crazy, man. In 03, I mean, PSA had been around, and I guess SGC, too, both been around 12 years then. BGS, maybe four years. I forget when BGS started. Maybe and, and this is back when the grace on the back of the car. Oh, so yeah, yeah. On the back, not even on the front. Man. That's wild. That's a great story, man. And that's too, man. How much was that guy buying them Topps Chrome Hobby Boxes for? 60 bucks or something? Yeah, something oh. like that. Yeah. I remember I told uh, someone at the National that was ripping packs of Topps Chrome in, and they put a LeBron, uh, a big LeBron card out. Did I remember opening like five or six boxes of Topps Chrome? Have you checked Topps Chrome unopened case prices now? I, I don't want to know, man. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, you know, like, you know, and, and that video that I walked into uh, a car shop here and, 
and sold a car, all those cars I just pulled out of the pack. And 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 in my mind, I thought as soon as I pull a car out of the pack, I need to put an opinion statement on top of it. That was his mm-hmm. ritual. Mm-hmm. And I remember some people thinking at the time, like, oh no, I just put them in a shoebox or put them in a bag here. Dude, no, you gotta protect that car. Also, later on Rolling with FT, we're gonna start getting into some comic stuff. Because I've collected comics since I was a young kid. Oh, and yeah. I remember painstakingly going through and taking every comic I had, putting it into a sleeve with a backer on it, and storing that in a oak wood trunk in my house. Man, you always been about protection, man. Protecting All about your protection, stuff. Man. Even before people started talking about it, it just made sense to me. What's going to differentiate my uh, Avenger 71 from your Avenger 71? And then I would buy some 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 uh, editions of comics and never read them. Never read them, Dakota. That's crazy that you were thinking about that back then, you know? Back then, man, I was real young thinking about that. Yeah, I, mean, I, was, I, I, I went in. I remember I went in and purchased the X Men seventy five, and that's the giant size edition where they uh, introduced Storm, Colossus, a lot of the X Men that we knew in movies. Now they introduced them in that. In that book, and I remember going through, opening the book in the comic book store, and going page by page to see if there was a page missing. Man, you and said I, this needs to be meant. If this yeah, ain't meant, I ain't buying. Like, <laughs> book at the time was seventy five dollars, and I had never spent seventy five dollars on a comic book. So I'm going through page by page, and nothing was missing in that book. Man, that's so crazy. That's so wild that you were thinking about that back then. I mean. Yeah. Don't know what planted the seed. Don't know why I thought that way, but I did. I also on autographs wanted everything authenticated. Like I wanted, I mean, like a, I wanted a real football. I didn't want a football that you would play with in the park. Mm-hmm. I wanted a real basketball. I remember being real young and getting like a Willie Starger autograph on a Rawlings jersey that I sent in for to get his name on the back. That stuff wasn't so like now you can get on MLB shop and put whatever name you want to. Yeah, just yeah. So everybody knows that was a time you that was none of that. You had to find you had to really communicate with Rawlings directly to get a jersey and then put the name on the back that you wanted to. So I remember being real. I think I met Willie Stargell when I was 13, 14, 15 years old. And I remember being meticulously about I need this jersey. And Talking to my parents, it was like, well, why don't you just get any jersey? No, I need this jersey. This Gotta be this one. one. Yeah, it's gonna be me. This is gonna mean something in the future. I remember being like that. Man, that's so crazy. And so now we bring it back around what we talked about at the beginning. So now you have your this great collection and you've got it in storage. Now I don't mean I don't mean that in a bad way, but but like you've got it stored up in storage, you know, well protected in storage. That's what you got with your collection. Oh yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. You don't have anything in the house. One day, if you're in LA, I'll bring you here, man. You walk in here, you'd be like, man, I, you wouldn't see anything. That's wild, man. I just, I've always been like that. I've never been, uh, when I graduated from school, man, when I graduated from college and grad school, I had my diplomas uh, uh, framed, right? Professionally framed, like protective paper, uh, uh, UV, uh, reflective glass, all that, right? I wrapped that up, man, in some bubble wrap and put it in my parents' closet. <laughs> man, that's I've wild. Been, I've just never, I've always been, uh, I don't really have to see certain things. Uh, it's always been a long-term approach 
Uh, I always tell people around here and some friends that I know, some friends that are pretty close to me, that rolling with FT started a long time ago. And it started today. I want to let people know here because I was talking to my girlfriend about this. Today is the anniversary of my father's death. My father died last year on December 2nd. And he I'm was sorry. the person. I, oh, thank you, sir. He was the person that uh, taught me everything I know about going to a card show, talking to people, and how to uh, kind of represent our household. It was very, he was very, his mom was very particular on how we represent our household and ourselves. So I dedicate every episode of Rolling with FD that you'll ever see, anything you hear me talking to about cars or anything, to my mother and my father. Because those people, uh, there's a picture that my mother has, man, that she went to a car show when I was in college. I couldn't get away because of a test. And she went and got Eddie Matthews' autograph man. on a jersey because I couldn't be there. Yeah, that's so nice. So those two people, man, really shaped and molded everything that I think about, how I approach certain things. Like I was just telling you about my son, how he's going to come to, how I want him to come to a show. I'm trying to teach him on how to uh, respect other people's property as well as what we're trying to do. It's all important because uh, I was a kid. I want to let everybody out there know this because I was talking to a, a collector recently and they were telling me that when they go to a show, they, they get butterflies, they get jittery, they get a little nervous. And I want to let people know that every time we're about to film a Rolling with FD episode, I feel the same way. I never played a football game in college or in high school where I didn't feel somewhat nervous before we went on that field. And it wasn't because I didn't think I was going to perform. It's just that feeling of really wanting it, you yeah. know, desire of what you want to do. So every show I walk into, I feel that way. But I want to let people know that when my father took me to my first show, when I met Willie Sargio, he tried to have a conversation with me. He was asking what school I went to, what was my name, my, like my head was down. I was answering his questions, but I was very nervous. And he asked me that day after he signed his name, is there anything else you want in his jersey? And then he started joking with me about where did I get the jersey from? It was hard for me to talk to him. So now you may see a guy who walks on the show and just starts talking to people. And I've worked in sales and in life and done, and done different things. But we all start somewhere. And then there's more to go afterward, after what we would think mature. I'm grown now, but I still learn something every show that I go into. Every time, like in this experience, I'm talking to you. I'm learning something here. So if you feel a certain way, if you feel a little jittery, if you feel a little nervous before the show, I have been there. And, I, and I'm there right now. But I remember meeting Jim Brown as a kid with my father and him in my ear telling me about Jim's 65 season how many yards he rushed for and when you get up there asking this question that question about his career so when i'm walking around now and i've said this before but i'll keep saying it it's a testimony to what how he taught me to engage with people and talk with people and represent the hobby at a young age i remember i'll tell you this one last story too i remember going into a show in chicago and i dropped something off to get signed by ernie banks it was a large poster poster for him to sign and the promoter couldn't find it. So they told me, go in that back room over there and uh, see if your poster's back there. So I walk in and I'm looking around and Ernie Banks is probably 40 feet away from me, sitting at a desk, signing autographs. And Dakota, all around him was memorabilia from every athlete that appeared at that show, just sitting man. there. And I remember him saying, young man, what are you looking for? 
And I said, uh, well, I'm looking for a poster that that I think I asked you to sign. So mm -hmm. he said, what was it? And I started describing it to him. He said, I think it's sitting right over here. I remember I just signed that. And he was still signing stuff sitting at the table. Now, in today's environment, it's tough to have those kind of interactions with an athlete like a like an Ernie Banks. But sure. there are many stories that I've um, I can remember over time that are just special uh, when it comes to stuff like that. And I want to be able through the channel kind of show that stuff to people, um, even through what we do and how we interact. And and I have another announcement for you. Uh, soon we're going to start a live format. And Dakota, at one point, we're going to want you on. All right. A live format where we talk about things and I'll get to share some stories. And we talk about things like PSA and card lot and other things that's happening in the hobby in a live format. Um, but more, more of that will be coming in the future. I dig it, man. And let me say, well, I mean, it sounds like your dad was awesome and you had some great experiences with him, you know, through the hobby and through life. And I mean, it's it's awesome that, you know, you got to have those experiences. Yep. And. I mean, the experiences you just shared with Ernie and, and Jim Brown and Willie Star, I mean, those that's amazing, man. I mean, yeah, it was a really amazing story. But my father started out in Mississippi and he would take old uh tops cards of, of some greats and put them in his bike spokes and so he could clear that hit that clicking noise. Yeah. But he always wanted to collect. So when I came to him and started talking about collecting some stuff, he wanted to go with me and walk with me and and meet some of the greats that he always wanted to meet as a kid that he didn't have a chance to uh, growing up in a, in a southern rural area and then coming to Chicago at a young age and being focused so much on work that mm -hmm. he didn't have a chance to really collect. So we, we started doing it together. Man. And we wow. started having fun with it. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, it's awesome you got to have that experience with him, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right, brother. Well, let me tell you, it was an absolute pleasure, FD. I mean, you were – an amazing person to talk to. I enjoyed your stories. I think you're a great storyteller. I think you're extremely, you know, entertaining, but authentic. Uh, that's what I liked about your videos, you know, boom, right off the start, I could tell. And, uh, you know, I thank you so much for coming on here. It was a, it was a real pleasure. FD. I really appreciate you for having me. Uh, this has been a special time. I've looked forward to this all week to sit down and have some time with you and talk with you. I really appreciate it. And we watch your content. I just want you to know, uh, <laughs> You, you have some great shows. You have good information. People out there, uh, when I put this up on my channel, should definitely check Dakota out and watch his show, Sports Cards Anonymous. It is a, it's, a, it's a great program. He gives genuine information. And what I like about your show, man, is like I was telling you before we got on, you were flipping Steve uh, a week or so ago. That was a genuine, man. And people yeah. sending in comments and asking you questions about, hey, Dakota, what you drinking on there? Yeah. It, was just, it was just genuine, man. I like yeah, that. that's I think, man, I'll say this last thing, but I think that when I started the channel, it was like for that because like, you know, I talked about, you know, I wanted to help people out, but I also see so many people that would have live streams and people would be putting in comments and they would just go unnoticed and things like that. And it, look, it's hard. It's hard to live stream. You got a lot of comments coming in. And, uh, you know, a lot of my channel growth was from my live streams because I got to every comment. I talked to everyone. I My live streams are Friday nights and it's just we're hanging out at the bar, having a couple of beers. I mean, that's, that's all right. it is. It's a good yep. time. All good, man. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much. Thank you, brother. You have a good one.